we're all like the gang's all here finally all man here. covid world bands back together uh i'm glad that we're all here tonight and thank you for coming we have three really fun topics like i'm really ben came up with these and i happen to think they're fantastic so um we'll dive right in so in the spirit of christmas we're going to talk about what our favorite element of the christmas story is uh, besides the most obvious, right. as you stated, that Jesus came to the world to save us uh, from our sins. Right. And, um, that should be everyone's that's, favorite. Should, we should think about that on the regular, not just right. at Christmas. But right. when it comes to the elements of the Christmas story, beside that, what is your favorite? So um, it's, it's well documented uh, that when you're someplace for 20-some-odd years, it becomes a challenge to give something fresh. And, and so I always like to now, for, on this side of the perspective, <coughs> is to, to look back and see, if you will, the sermons and or the studies that excited me. And out of covering every one of these um, through the years, the, my favorite element of the Christmas story, besides the fact that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and had to start as a baby, is this, the fact that the star that God used for the wise men but not the wise men specifically, the stars specifically. Uh, God directed men to Jesus. And in the sermon years ago, when I first covered this, the, the uh, takeaway point was that God still uses, if you will, stars. And, and they're us. God uses us. And yes, sometimes he uses things. But, but most of the time he uses us to draw people to Christ. And it may be as, at first, as, uh, what would the word be, um, aloof as a star way up in the sky. Maybe a neighbor that, that, you know, goes into his garage and you go into your garage and you don't see each other. But he sees you put up Christmas lights, you know. Uh, and then the next thing you know, like in, in my case here, you're trying to read my shirt. It's pretty funny. Isn't that good? Uh, so go ahead and read it for yeah, the crowd. Yeah, his shirt says, Pastor, because hardcore devil-stomping ninja isn't an official <laughs> job title. Kelly uh, Pfeiffer, she, she said that the idea was planted by Stacy, that this would be a good gift idea, so she got Brad and I both, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, for Christmas. So I wore it today. I got it last night. Uh, so anyway, uh, with that said, um, I... I a couple weeks ago now, the wind was up, and I looked out across the neighbors, uh, the street, and the trash can's rolling all around the place. I picked the trash can up and called him, and I said, hey, I'm putting your trash can in a spot where the wind won't get to it, and he was very grateful and thank Just stuff like that. Before you know it, you're building bridges, you're, you're, you're making friendships, and hopefully you're going to be used as a star to direct people to Christ. There you go. That's Nice. Mine. So, um... Real quick, about the star. We've talked before that science is catching up with Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just saw, we've talked about there's biblical things in the Bible that we can even trace back, like when certain comets come through in mm -hmm. the Bible and all that, that we know every so many thousands of years has happened. So is, do you have any take on what they're calling the Christmas star that's about to appear? It's like Saturn and yeah, Neptune aligning. Yeah, I did aligning. hear about this. And it's going to cause this brilliant bright light. And they said and they call it the Christmas star. Yeah, and they said this is the first time in 800 years it's happened. So do you think this could have been an astrological event on Jesus' birth that it oh, just... Well, yeah, I mean, sure, the answer is, of course, it, it could have been. 
what I am fearing more is all the promises that I have made if the stars align. Oh. <laughs> Am I going to now have to do all this? Yeah. Technically, these aren't stars. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Yes. And actually, too, when it comes to the Christmas star, I just, you know, <laughs> in getting ready for this, I listened to, and I recommend everybody listen to uh, John MacArthur has two sermons. It's like an hour and a half worth of preaching on just one topic, the Magi, mm. the, the wise Good men. Stuff. And he discusses the star that guided them, and he called it the Shekinah glory of the Lord being born. And that it wasn't just a celestial event. It wasn't some star. So it was a it supernatural. Was, it was a supernatural event, yeah. And he called it just the glory of God shining that was um, leading the wise men. But. And that word Shekinah is right. huge. It, it, it is the glory of God. Uh, when I was a little tyke, I remember Dad preached a whole Shekinah glory, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, I, and I don't know that we're going to do damage to Scripture to believe one way or the other. You know what I'm saying? But, but obviously, John MacArthur has, has done his study. <laughs> right. He, he doesn't just... Uh, Throw stuff out. I think it was like Yahoo News topic of the morning for me. I I saw the headline. I didn't read it. I saw the headline. It's just one of those things. And I think as Christians, I'm I'm starting to chase a rabbit here. But, you know, I think a lot of people, nope, it's science and Christianity. And it's like, no, I think we can blend. This could have happened, you know, 1,600, 2,000 years ago. Could have been the star. You know, just an open mind. You know, that's not denying God. Well, from yours and my perspective, there is no science apart from God. Yeah, right. I was about to say, God, God made what is science yeah, that's, today. That's right. So. right. Now, I know what you're saying. Yes. And, yeah. and, and, but that's how far they're off. Yeah. You know, but anyway, we love you still. Yep. <laughs> Go ahead, Gavin. Part of the people that's just a little, little rabbit. No, I like it. I like and it. And the truth is the truth. You that's know, right. If it's, if it's uh, scientific truth or it's philosophical truth or it's spiritual truth, it's truth's truth. So, so uh, my favorite element, I don't know that I can identify it with one thing. It's the, it's the natural element, the, the element of creation, the, the star, the stars, the shepherds on mm-hmm. the hillside. The, mm-hmm. you, I hear the sheep bleeding. I hear the shepherds talking around a fire, the stable, the, the smells that come with the stable. That, I mean, that's just home to me. That's just the way I was raised. I was raised in a... a Low, lower middle ca- class home. We had a small farm. We fed the animals morning and night. Um, I can relate to the scene, and it makes me, you know, just it's like home to me that the scene that uh, is around the birth of, of Christ and the, the King of Kings is born into that natural element, the, uh, um, the created world, and it's all represented there. His, uh, Randy Alcorn has a book called a heaven and he it's an encyclopedic book about heaven and he talks about the creation being designed for worship uh, and in some cases you can't help but worship when you step up to the edge of the grand canyon you think wow mm-hmm. there's just almost uh, involuntary worship that starts there there's got to be an amazing god or the the rocky mountains the first time you see those the you know the first time you see the ocean uh, there's just that that element that almost is involuntary. Wow, th- this is amazing. This is a beauty that is almost trans- transcending. So the the element of creation, the and the the gemstone in the middle of that's the birth of the the Savior. Very good, Thomas. Um, mine was in a sentence that God places tremendous value on the lowly and the lost. 
And uh, it was, you know, Mary was nothing special. She was a poor teenage girl. Um, the first people to hear about it were, they weren't Roman soldiers or the religious elite. It was mm-hmm. shepherds, probably just like the fishermen, you know, the right. rough and dirty and stinky and cussing and herding these sheep. They're the right. first to hear about this. And then, um, then he was born in a stable, you know, and you've said in a couple messages, that was a manure filled stable. Yeah. You know, it was dirty and nasty and loud. And, uh, and it, I've, I've said this verse probably every radio program that the place is tremendous value on the lowly and lost, and it was Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And you can apply that to the Christmas story, that these were the lowliest of people, and and God wants us to value that more. And I think, and I use that a lot more than ourselves. And I think that's where in America we've gone wrong. We're guilty by birth and we're also blessed by birth by being born in America. And I think God shows us this lowly and lost. And, uh, you know, we need to place more value on that in our country. Amen to that. So, do you need. I, I was going to read this. Uh, Larry says in the movie, God's Not Dead, the hero said the Big Bang idea is exactly what happened with God's word uh, and I've always heard that yeah God said it and bang it happened uh, so my favorite part of the Christmas story I realized was when I was a little girl and we had the manger scene I couldn't wait for my mom to set out our little nativity at home and it had like all the you know usual suspects it's got baby Jesus in the manger Mary Joseph the shepherd and three wise men and you know I always loved we three kings mm. and then I realized later the wise men weren't even at the manger scene, and it was like, <gasps> mind blown, I've been lied to all these Blasphemy. years. And then uh, a few years ago when I was listening to the John MacArthur thing, I had to listen to it again on the Magi. And God doesn't miss, like, what we just read over, like, yeah, yeah, these guys came, followed the star, they wanted to see Jesus. And it's so easy to pass over it. But the real story behind them is that there's not three, and they weren't kings, so yeah. if that's one of your favorite Christmas songs, um, you're going to have to just get over it like I did. But they were actually so much more than that. They, the Magi in the day uh, weren't just, they weren't kings, they were king makers. They right. were from descendant, like what they did is they were in charge of essentially choosing training and coronating kings. Like they were a big, big deal, and they wouldn't have just come into Jerusalem on these like, oh, I just got my slow camel. It would have been like an entourage of right. hundreds, if not thousands of peoples with servants, with cooks, with security, if you right. will. It would have been livestock. It would have been the huge. Yeah. yeah. They it would have been like big whoa. And they obviously look different. They dress different. Right. They everything about they them wealthy. would yes. So these were a big deal. These were not three <laughs> quiet wise men on camels. And and now that has changed into probably one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story that you could apparently dive into for an hour and a half worth of preaching. But it is amazing just what they did and the the gifts that they brought, the meaning of the gifts, the gold because they were crowning him king. They were saying he was king. Myrrh because that was, they had to have a fragrance back then. You fragrance because people smell, the smelly world. So the myrrh was part of him being born a human. Mm -hmm. And the frankincense was incense because that was his deity. Like they burned incense. That was something made, you know, that was an important part of worship in the temple and and everything that was, 
in their culture at the time. And so those gifts were even important. But it was so cool to hear this preached how Jesus was born in the manger. They didn't stay in the manger. They did stay in Bethlehem. Yeah. And why did they stay in Bethlehem? Why didn't they go back home? Or why didn't they go to Jerusalem? Why did they just stay there? And John MacArthur said it this way, and it's so beautiful. He said, they didn't leave until the king was crowned as king. He was waiting for his coronation. Right. And these kingmakers, these magi, these major uh, just a huge piece of, they came to crown him king, to say this is the only coronation he's going to get. And then they went to Egypt. But it was so cool just to see that it was uh, just such a, a piece that we look over like, well, there's the three wise men at the manger scene. But it was so much bigger than that. And it was neat, the history that they can track to add to, like, no, this is who they were. This is why these guys were such a big deal. This is what they did for Jesus and showing that he was the king. And this is in Matthew where, you know, Matthew's pointing to the kingship of Jesus. Right. It's, um, his, it's the theme of his book. And I can't even, I can't even scratch the surface of um, all of the details of that. And, but it was amazing to hear just how, how thorough and how preserved ancient history has been that you can say, okay, this is the Bible saying these magi appear, but this is what they really were. And they were coming to crown Jesus as king. And nobody else was worshiping them. His own did not receive him. And then here you've got these non-Jewish, non-believers, if you will, coming to worship what they knew, what they were waiting for. They were looking for and waiting on the Messiah. They even knew that they had, well, from Daniel, if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, and Daniel was brought to Babylon, that's how they knew to even be looking and all the Jewish people in the day should have been looking and waiting and should have seen it and known it. And Daniel was a Magi. Yeah, he became head of the Magi. Correct. And so he would have been very influential right. on the prophecy about the coming Messiah. Right. So they were waiting. They were looking. And they knew this yeah. is it. This is it. Daniel said this was going to happen. It's happened. Well, well, I've heard that they were star watchers, too. So oh, yeah. Yes. Astrology. Yes. Astrological sign that was out of the ordinary. And sure, when you get context like that, Tara, you, you understand, you see that entourage coming into Jerusalem, and Herod starting to get, ooh, somebody's coming to see me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you start to understand the jealousy that starts to boil when they say, uh, no, we're actually looking for a child king. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, you go tell, you go find him and then come child back and tell him. Child born yeah. king. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It had to be a big deal or Herod wouldn't have said, you know what? Let's go ahead and slaughter every child right. that's a son under two. I mean, it had to be a pretty big deal. He had to be pretty shaken yeah. if to act in such a way. And I love what J. Vernon McGee brought out, and this was actually before, because when I preached through Matthew, I, I studied what you're talking about with John MacArthur, who just does an amazing job with the material. But Vernon McGee was the, the first guy that said, you know, think about it. Three men coming in with a few servants would not have caused a stir. And the Bible says that it basically upset the entire city of Jerusalem. And, of course, you know, Herod. But 300 to 1,000 would have, you know. Yeah, coming and, in on their, how but, he describes it, these steeds, these amazing horses. Right. And, I mean, it would have been like... I imagine the scene from Aladdin when Aladdin busts into oh, yeah. the city as uh, Prince uh, Ali. Uh, yeah, That's what I picture. Uh, That's where my mind is always in Disney. I can't help it. 
That's uh, good. Somebody texted in, I felt it interesting that the Magi were sent and came for one reason and had a change of heart directed by the Spirit even before their arrival. Yes. And I, I agree. Like, they were looking for the Messiah. And I've always wondered that uh, as we went through our study of Jesus in the past, how in the world the people that should have received him and known him, this is our Messiah, this is our Savior, didn't receive him. And they knew it was coming. They knew all the scriptures. They knew it better than we know they the Old Testament scriptures. They knew where he was supposed to be born. Right. one told them where to go look. Right. Yeah. So. And that's one of the things that when I preach on that, it, it disturbs the fire out of me. They didn't care because... It, it, he didn't fit in their world. Right. That they they liked what they had going on, and they weren't about to mess it up with a savior. They were just <laughs> fine in their captivity. Yeah, that's exactly right. They they didn't realize they were in captivity. Yeah. You know, because uh, they had it. As one fellow says, you got a nest on the ground. You know, and that's what the way they felt about their situation because they were pretty well in charge when it came to, you know, Israel. All right, we ready for topic two? We're ready. I'm gonna let Ben tee this one up because this is his brainchild and I laughed out loud. I love it. I think it's great. If you don't, you can send your emails to Ben. <laughs> All right. So I've got a 18-year-old uh, son in the house and uh, to say that he's hormonal, it would be like what? saying that Bill Clinton is Democrat. But uh, he, he, and it's not bad. It's, it's normal, natural life. But something that has happened in the last month or so that's just funny to me is when he goes in to take a shower, of course, he has, you know, we've got these devices now that, oh, that yeah. you can hook up Bluetooth, and so you can bust out the doors of everybody else's room with your music. Getting pumped up for a shower. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so for, of course, he, he's 18, so it only takes two minutes to do a right. shower. But for those two minutes, it's the saddest songs that you've ever heard. And, 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 it, and it's... Some poor girl has ripped poor, some poor guy's heart out, you know. Sad songs say so oh, much. Oh, my goodness. So uh, the thought was, uh, and I wrote down here, this is a semi-serious, hopefully funny topic on the value of a sad song. So what we're going to do, we're going to use the uh, two-minute argument, if you will, method, and we're going to give each panelist uh, two minutes to argue for or against sad songs. Uh, and then in our one-minute rebuttal, we're going to tell you what our sad songs are. Maybe give you a little, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Snippet. Uh, yeah, snippet, sample of that. So, who wants to go first? I don't care. Terry, you want to go first? I'll go. All right, go. So, uh, I'm arguing that sad songs totally have a place. I'm not a sad song on a daily basis kind of person. And in general, <laughs> I don't listen to sad songs, but... It's just like the Bible said, there is a time to mourn, there is a time to weep, there's a time to yeah. dance. There's, yeah. a, there's a place for a sad song. Uh, I have got to tell this story, and, and then I think I should let my two minutes start. But when John and I got married and his stuff became our stuff, I was going through uh, a box full of CDs. And I'm like, what in the world? How? And I pull out the first CD, and it's a, a mixed homemade Tape, Ooh, if you will, CD, yeah. and it says, "There's a window to his heart." Right depressing there. country music, <laughs> volume two, <laughs> volume two. And I was like, "All right, babe, I just have two questions here. First of all, where's volume one? Yeah. And why do you need two volumes of depressing country music?" He shot volume one with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, there was so much heartache, he had to make a volume two. But it was just funny to me, um, and I can I can laugh now at you know, very painful and serious things that happened to me. But in the past, you know, I've come from 
a first marriage where my husband was unfaithful for the majority of it and uh, ended in him leaving. And I can remember saying to somebody like, my life is like every country song right now. Like I am living every country song. And uh, somebody even made me a CD of like sad country songs. <laughs> I'm not making this why this topic is so funny This will help you heal. Because, I mean, I wore that thing out because every song was like, this is exactly how I it, feel right it now. It helps you cry, don't this it? This is exactly how I feel. <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, I can laugh at that now. But I will say that there, is, there are songs that I still hear that I remember being played at my grandma's funeral, at my aunt's funeral. And, and, it's, and it's sad, but it's healing at the mm -hmm. same time. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like it has a place. I'm not living in sad songs at this phase of my life. I'm more like, you know, Joy FM, up, right, you know, right, right, right. And, I, and I love music. <laughs> um, but I'm not living in sad songs right now, nor am I an 18-year-old boy. But uh, I will say there is a time and a place. Very good. Very good. That's two minutes. Look at there. Huh. Tom? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm basically the same. I, I don't believe there is a pro or a con of a sad song. Um, you know, because there's a place for both. Uh, right. I always look at songs like they're just poetry with music put to them. And, you know, that's like the Psalms and all that. There's Some of them are joyful. Some of them are sad, you know. Um, and a song is an expression. And I don't remember the artist. I think it was Eric Clapton. But I, I used to go to a lot of concerts pre, you know, COVID and that. I don't know how I feel about going to them in the future. But I remember I went and saw uh, Counting Crows just a year ago. And they've got one song, Mr. Jones. That's all I wanted to hear. He didn't play it. It's like, what the heck, you know? And so You only have one good song. Yeah, you, you know, it. Long December, which is a good one. We're in that now. But no, uh, so, but one of these famous artists, I think it was Eric Clapton, he said, a song is never truly finished until it's felt by the listener. So, you know, you can put something down, but when that person attaches to it, that becomes a song. And everybody has their own versions of it. Um, and uh, that's about all I had for that. And then in my rebuttal, I was going to play my song. How, how much longer do you I You got have? a minute, man. I got a minute. So uh, let me see. The reason why I like sad songs is because they make me think. And I told you it's about poetry. And uh, a couple years ago when I was in school, I went downtown a lot, and there's a lot of homeless. And uh, there was a man named L.C. Washington. I ended up meeting him, and I was watching him through the window up top. And I'd watch people walk around him and you know, just ignore him, basically. And this is why this seems sad, but it helped me. And I wanted to read this, because it's like a song to me. Elsie uh, Washington. Invisible as he shouts, invisible as he walks. Blank stares, occupied faces, and fake phone calls. Invisible as he looks, invisible as he tries. Seen only for brief moments, small conversations, being told nothing but lies. Invisible in his grief, invisible in his pain. Invisible, in the scorching heat, driving snow, and pouring rain. Why are you here? Why have you stayed? Is it enough or a lie when I tell you I will pray? Within my heart and with hope in the hug that we shared, Mr. L.C. Washington, I will pray, and I truly do care. And that sounds sad, but it's uplifting for some people when they're like, wow, I need to reach out to a homeless person. Amen. So a sad song could be positive for somebody else, and it changed my view, so... It's interesting you brought that up. Uh, do you guys remember the man, homeless man with the golden voice? Yeah. Remember Off that? Of, well, America's Got Talent? Uh, well, no. Okay. He, he yeah, was discovered saying. through a viral video. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this guy walking out heard him talk, and he basically just videoed him, put it on YouTube, 
and it went crazy. Well, he's now working. I mean, you know, it's just, you talk about rags to riches. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's an announcer. But what he's doing, I, I, I don't know for sure. I didn't watch enough of it. I'm pretty sure he's a Christian. Because he's now helping, he's going to those same homeless shelters that he went to. Right. And he's taking socks to them, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, but don't you know that guy sat down with some sad songs on occasion? Oh, he yeah. had a phone. <laughs> Because, you know, yeah. it's how you I'm just connected. curious. Um, send in your sad songs. Like, what's no your doubt. favorite sad song? Somebody <laughs> no texted doubt. in, Are You Lonesome Tonight? <laughs> Somebody else texted in, I Feel Thomas's Pain. I went to an Amy Grant concert, and she did not sing, El Shaddai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. You got one good song, dude. Your signature songs. Yeah. All right, Gavin. Uh, so, so, yes, I think so- songs are great for connecting with people. I've always said that songs are audible emotion. They help you uh, affirm things that you feel. You think, I'm, I'm not the only one that feels that way. And, and something, a situation that connects with you in the song, I think in ways that you wouldn't have either realized it or connected with it any other way. So yes, I think sad songs are good. They help express uh, a, a, a state of life or, or a, a station of life or an experience of life that there's no other way really to express it. I don't. I don't have a lot more to say than that. Other than uh, I, I, nobody has mentioned the saddest song in country and western history. Well, that's the, well, that's the one minute rebuttal. Oh, sorry. Okay, so I don't. Yeah, get I bet we're going to get. Yeah, probably going to get set that one. All right. So, so you, are I, you I, yielding your time? I, I oh. yield back the balance of my all time. All right, here we go. So, <laughs> uh, I, I got to share this story with you. Um, my brother died at 41 years of age. Three months before he died, he surrendered to preach. He literally did not know what he was going to be when he grew up until three months before he died. Oh, my goodness. It was the most peace I've ever seen Tony at. It was the most joy I've ever seen him have for three months. Of course, nobody knew he was going to go through that. Nobody knew he was going to die at that age. But Tony struggled with knowing what God wanted him to do. So you go back 20 years from that point, and me and Tony would hang out at college. Tony went to college and burned out because he played too many aces and 21 and and all that. (laughs) He wasn't a partier, but on a Christian level, he partied too much. Uh, And he failed and, and got kicked out of school because his grades were terrible. For three and a half years, my parents told me, you're going to do the same thing. You're, going to, you're not taking it serious. You're not taking your school serious. You're going to do the same thing. And, and they just drove me crazy with telling me that I was going to burn out the way my brother did. And now I know the madness to their you know, methods. They were trying to get me so mad about that that I would go show them wrong, and that's exactly what happened. So, And they just smiled when I told them, see, see, see. Uh, and the joke was on me. About once a quarter, if not once a month, Tony would drive up at 10 o'clock at night because 10 o'clock was when all the girls had to go to curfew and the boys were free. As unfair <laughs> as that is, as sexist and misogynist as that is. I was thinking is, the girls were thinking finally. Oh, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. So it was a college campus, so uh, the girls were not allowed to stay out past 10. So Tony would drive up there. But the boys were. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> they didn't care about us. So at 10 o'clock, we would go to the local Waffle House. And Tony always had a pocket full of change, and he'd throw them in there, 
and we would, you know, sad I'm song, not going to take song, your song. No, 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 but me and you talked about this. Confessions at Waffle House. I had a story, yeah, too. No you doubt. said that was going to be a no sermon. from a Waffle no House. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that's always up and, you know, positive and all that. And, and Tony would just, he'd just be so down. I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow <laughs> up. I, I just, I'm so tired of doing what I'm Never doing. That's no doubt. <laughs> oh, or no, another double cheeseburger. Uh, yeah, because we would eat. Well, I think. It's a, it's a sin. You I, have a two-minute... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking Gavin's uh, oh, okay. minute. But, but we're, we're done with that, too. So we just destroyed ourselves with these sad country songs at Waffle House. Why are all the sad songs country? <gasps> I mean, I'm struggling to think of a Christian song that's like, one. it just makes me so one. sad. I've got one that I'm going to share. All right. I've got one. Uh, you might not think that it makes you sad, but I think it is a sad song. Okay, so who wants to go first? You want to go first with your song? Yeah, so mine is, uh, you know, and maybe it was just at the time I was so sad because I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die alone with just, like, 800 cats. <laughs> I'm going to be that girl. <laughs> yeah, and I was, like, yes, 30. And anyway, so um, there is a song, and I'm not sure who sings it, but it was, if she's lonely now, she won't be lonely long. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about how a guy just lets this girl go, and it said, heaven help the fool who did her wrong. Um, if song. she's lonely now, she won't be lonely long. And That's I was like, awesome. it was such a sad song. <laughs> anyway, that was like my hit on replay again and again. Like, yep, that, that's the one. <laughs> Are we going to listen to it? There's something about the way She's drinking chilled Patron. I don't know if that should have put out a fair warning there. Uh, is that alcohol? I don't, I don't yeah, know. <laughs> it is. I'm messing with it. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. No, I guess not. Um, I thought you was going to do the song Kill Earl or Earl's Gotta Die. Earl's Gotta Die. Earl's well, Gotta Die. That's someone right. did text in uh, Grandpa by the Judds and Daddy's Hands Tell me about the good old the days. Yeah. See, we sing that every time because we got some elderly men in our workforce. Yeah. And like anytime one of them got a ride to the tire store with one of these elderly men, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. We just, we ride with <laughs> yeah. me. Total tearjerker. I can remember yeah. listening that with my, to that song with my yeah. grandpa. Oh. Yeah. All right, Tom. Okay, so um, I had two and I had to break them down. My first one was Vince Gill, Go Rest High on That Mountain. Oh, my, was that my grandpa's you know, funeral? Oh, yeah. my gosh. You know, but I was like, that is terribly sad as that one is. It usually only comes up during funerals. Right. So one that's an everyday tearjerker, I pulled up and Brad can pull it up. It's the saddest country song ever written. Every single I love you. And he's going to play close to a minute of it. I went to see him just today. But I didn't see no tears All dressed up to go away First time I'd seen him smile in years He stopped loving her today oh, All right. It plays the 
Santa's country so, western music. It took me a while to know this what that was. This was always the but... first one that we would play at yeah. Waffle House. <laughs> so, so had you crying. ever heard that before? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the 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 wife or girlfriend left him. He never forgot about her, and he finally, when he died, he stopped loving her. They placed a wreath upon his door, which was on the casket. That's a good one. All dressed yep. up to go away. I, the saddest. I was cutting wood one time, and I never really listened to that. And I was out in the woods, Pandora, and I was listening. And I was like, by the time I was done, I was like, just tear it up. I'm like, that is the most terrible song on earth. I've ever heard, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was mine, and, uh, and Brad told me that Tom already had it, so I switched to the Wichita Lineman. The Wichita if Lineman. You ever, if you don't have that one, I've got a list. I is mean, that I, because their football team is, is so terrible? I was Glenn? Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the Rhinestone Cowboy, honestly, is pretty sad, too. Yeah. 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 Uh, it is. So Again, he's got all a few. country songs. Yeah. It, it, oh, yeah. I mean, I've got one, I've got one yeah. rock song. Well, I do know on country, uh, depressing country music volume two, <laughs> the, the key song was I made her the queen of my double wide trailer. Yes. <laughs> With like the polyester curtains and the redwood deck. And the redwood deck. <laughs> that was on there. And there's another one. Something politics and her. <laughs> I got to find it. I know I've got it somewhere. All right, Gary. So uh, uh, if you got it, go ahead. Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear you through the wine And the Wichita lineman Is still on the What's the backstory? Is he working his life away, missing his? Yeah, yeah, he's out on the line away from his his girl. Yeah, yeah. You can hear her through the lines. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so go ahead and play mine. I think mine will speak for itself. <laughs> Why don't you come to your senses? Oh my gosh. You've Where been out riding fences. Better hide the guns in the night. Deep down, we all really love this right now. Oh, I'm telling you. Oh, you're hard. I know that. Randy's back there with his lights. These things that are pleasing you. Because I'm living this life. You need to know this one. You're right back at the Waffle House, aren't you? That's right. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy. She'll beat you if she's able. You know the queen of hearts is always your best bet. All right, go ahead and kill it. Playing cards. So, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, so in other words, he's telling him, don't go after the woman that's driven for things. You see, yeah, the there's queen a of diamonds. Nobody yeah. told me that before I got married. The queen of hearts is your best friend. Yeah. Dawn is a shopper Ouch. extraordinaire. Ouch. Now, the queen anybody, of bling facial masks. That's right. And anybody that knows Dawn knows that she's a queen of hearts <clears throat> also. That yeah. woman is uh, one loving person. Got but, the combo. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I, I can tell you pretty safely, I was completely ignorant of that song when it came out as, as a college person because I'm sure that's about when it came out. But later in life, um, it, it caught my ear, and I just love it. I, it's a sad song. Uh, and 
Yeah, wasted time. You bet. Country Bumpkin by uh, that, there's there's just a dun, there's a whole. So bunch the of Eagles them. have made the list twice tonight because I've also oh. got a Christmas theme so, song. <laughs> another George Jones song, real quick. <laughs> it, it sounds sad at first, but it's really a happy song. He put a golden band on the right left hand this time. <laughs> I can I can actually hear my dad singing that song in his yeah. Bronco, his nineteen like eighty nine Bronco. So, tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word. Uh, I think that is a sad song. It's a good sad song. In this line right here, we talked about it Sunday night because uh, I mentioned it, but. Uh, Stay, let me weep as you whisper. Uh, I gotta find it here. Lasting a long time. Yeah. Uh, well, one song that it's not sad, but just the funerals I've heard it at, it kind of takes me to a sad place. Is, um, I come to the garden alone. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't yeah. know that the name of the song. I well, can uh, sing the entire hymn. And he yeah. walks. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the, the garden. garden. In the garden. It. Thank you. Yeah. So love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. That's a sad line, but it's good. You know, in my mind's eye, here is a worshiper that is, if you will, on his knees with his head in the lap of Christ or an angel or God or someone, and he's asking them, tell me what Jesus did for me while he's weeping. You see what I'm saying? Uh, you know, interesting stuff. All right, I just thought it'd be a good topic. Is a good one. Oh, yeah, Precious, Precious Memories is a good one. You bet. Funeral song. All right, I get to go play downstairs with All right. some kids. Uh, we'll we'll finish up my, with... He has my favorite Christmas song. Okay. I think you're going to like it. Because we're going to... We can play it last. <clears throat> Is it Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? It's not. <laughs> a little more recent than that. <laughs> All right. So, Con Kanye uh, West re-recorded Rudolph. <laughs> this is the uh, last topic for tonight. Thank you, Tara. Uh, so we're going to basically stay on the same line as songs, but we're going to talk about Christmas songs. Are all Christmas songs happy? Can there even be such a thing as a sad Christmas song? And yes, there is, Christmas Shoes. Uh, oh. Should we only sing them at Christmas? And then same format, but we just lost a panelist, so you got a little more time than two minutes if you, if you need it. Uh, so who wants? To, it doesn't matter to me. Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Gavin. So uh, sad Christmas songs, yes, about circumstances that people go through at Christmas time, but uh, about the advent of Christ, I don't think so. You know, and it, it, there's... The bottom line is good news. Right, that's <laughs> the, right. The, the world yeah. has a savior. Rejoice. He's arrived. Peace on uh, earth. Joy to the world. Yeah. Uh, the savior has come. So, yes, about the about the advent, no, but yes, about things that happen around Christmas time for other people, and sometimes some of the saddest uh, circumstances inspire some of the best in people. Amen. The, the Christmas shoes uh, song is a perfect example. Right, of that. right, right. Um, again, I like to give my wife a hard time. I can't really say that before I met Dawn that I was into listening to Christmas songs 24-7 from Thanksgiving on. But if you spend time around Dawn, you're going to listen to Christmas songs. She can't wait for those stations that do that loop 
because that's what she's going to listen to till January 15th type thing. Uh, and so some of them have just grown on me and the such. Uh, before we go to time real quick, though, Gavin, and, and this is going to sound like I'm putting you on the spot. I'm, I'm not. You want me to sing it? No, <laughs> no. Uh, not, not that it would be bad. The word Advent, yes. give me a working definition of that word. The event of the Savior's birth. Okay. Okay. Because Advent, that word, from my experience, is more associated with quote-unquote, uh, Protestant churches slash Catholic churches, not in a bad way, but they, but they emphasize Lent, it. Lent yeah. season, yeah. Advent season, and such. The Advent calendar. <clears throat> yeah, the Advent calendar, right. Well, my dad was Baptist through and through, and, and I was raised Baptist, so I missed all that stuff. You didn't have an Advent. We didn't have an advent. So we, we, we had the birth of baby Jesus, you know. We weren't smart enough to call it the advent. And so uh, with that said, I, it's not a bad word on any level. Yeah. And, and, but I haven't really ever had the confidence to, to use the word because I wasn't 100% sure what right. the heck it meant. Now, advent calendars on National Lampoon's Christmas, they got the famous one. I wanted to buy that, and it's $300. Oh, it's wow. Because like, it's the like, actual... The, neither here nor there, but you can get like Gremlins Advent, Beetlejuice Advent, you know. So I think they've kind of Hollywood uh, up the yep, old Advent calendar, yeah. Brother Tom. Um, so our second segment is going to be our favorite Christmas song, right? The rebuttal. Uh, sure. That? Okay. Well, so mine. Yes. So for sad Christmas songs, um, there's quite a few of them. I thought about Elvis's "Have a Blue, 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 Blue Christmas." You know. Well, you played the Eagles, uh -huh, so uh -huh, uh -huh. I had one here. What a terrible, sad song this is. And this is. Uh, oh, it's gonna probably play an ad real quick. But um, yeah, I think the whole uh, idea of well, talk amongst yourselves for a second. I ain't playing. <laughs> Well, Christina sent one up last Christmas. Okay. That, that's a, so, a modern song. Last Christmas. I, I gave you my heart. Yeah. The, the very, very next, next day. day. Yeah, that's Tony's favorite. Yeah. Now, that's, that's Wham, George Michaels, right? Yeah, George Michaels. So, that's Tony's favorite so here's, Christmas song. So here's my sad Christmas song, if you listen to the words. That's the Eagles, too. What a terrible song. My baby's gone. I have no friends <laughs> to wish me Christmas wishes again. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, but you know, when you listen to that, it's like that comes on the radio. I start jamming to it. Then you're like, oh, no, you, when you actually listen to the words. So that's my sad Christmas song right there. Very good. Very good. Um, you know, this is probably going to sound weird to you, but Silent Night for me is a sad but oh so enjoyable Christmas solemn, serene uh, is the serene, word. Yeah, uh, because you know you're you're thinking about all the heavy tones that the birth of Christ carries with it. You know, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. Uh, round yon virgin, you know. Uh, well, here, here's a woman that nine months previous had no clue that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. She was open to it, 
she knew that a maiden was going to be picked, you know, and, and the such. And she would be honored for it to be her. And she was. And so, you know, I, I don't even remember now who it was the other day that said something <coughs> to the nature of, you know, M Mary wasn't a, a, a special woman or person. I think God would probably take issue with that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know what they're saying in that it wasn't like Mary uh, impressed God right. as much as Mary did what God asked her to do, and he, and he chose her, you know. Um, and so anyway, uh, I, I, Silent Night, Holy Night is my favorite Christmas song, hands down. And to me, it always puts me, sad's probably not the right word, solemn's probably the right word. Mary, did you know, to me is a sad song, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I even but again, I love it. I even said in my, uh, the beginning, I said Mary was a nothing poor teenager. You right. know, there was nothing flashy, and that's what a lot of people, I'm, I'm not very, I'm not grand, I'm not tall, I'm not beautiful. God just chose a normal person, right. you know, so. No, no doubt. Uh, blessed her. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, and, and, and I agree with that sentiment. I, I really do because I, I feel that same way about myself. I, you know, that, that we're, we're, not, we're not anybody special, but God uses us to, to touch people, to, to change people, to, you know, to be transformation agents. I used to think the same thing about the disciples, that God waited till the, in, in time until the right 12 people were on earth. The biggest think, 12 knuckleheads. I don't think that at yeah. all now. I think them being in close proximity to him changed. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered who they were. Right. They wouldn't have, amen. I love that. I love that. Proximity. All right. Well, uh, so go ahead. Uh, you got a song you want to... So a, f a favorite song now? Is his favorite yeah. song? So yeah. just a favorite quick, Christmas quick, song. Uh, Christina's favorite, Go Tell It on the Mountain. That's that's a yeah. good one. A positive one. And No Holy Night. Of course, that's a more, that's a serene, yep. powerful song. My favorite Christmas songs are and I this happened in recent years is Mannheim Steam Mannheim Steamrollers versions of A Holy Night, a Little Drummer Boy. Just 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 play a little bit of that, Brad. I realize it's not for everybody. Stay. <laughs> instrumental so I, I like to turn all the lights out put the Christmas lights on and just sit with that music there you go playing. it's very <laughs> no, it, just put, it just puts me in a happy place amen uh, Larry says God chose normal people to make them better amen, amen. Tom you got a favorite so, so I've got one minute queued up of my favorite song once he pulls it up and I was right. gonna just Not the men went back to bed when his wife asked who was there this is talking about the innkeeper. I don't know. Just a girl. Just a couple gypsies begging at the door. Told them we don't have room for any more. And closed the door. It was just a girl. He tried to sleep and wasn't able. Snuck out to the dirty stable to 
beside the barn and in the light of that great star he prayed what have I done he's just a bit just minutes old there trembling in the head I like that yeah from yeah. his perspective yeah and it's uh, well and it goes through it's just a girl and then it's just a babe you know one of the lines was does just a girl, does she even know that she just changed the world? Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it goes into Jesus, he's just a babe. And then the third verse is he's just a king, you know. And, uh, and I've always, and it's, it was from Brandon Heath in like 2008. And I actually preached a whole message on that song once here. We, we struggled tonight to try to find it, and Lindsay found it for me. But, but that kind of goes with my first part is we're, we're really nothing, you know, and God uses us to do grand things. So that yeah. is my by far favorite Christmas song. Yeah. Uh, so I've already shared with you my favorite Christmas song, um, Silent Night. I, I think it's extremely important. You know, all these songs represent something. And the biggest thing that they represent is that you or your bunch or someone stops long enough to contemplate the story of the song. And, and that's, that's extremely important. You know, I don't know if it's that I'm 55 or what, but every time I hear about, like, Charlie Butler today hmm. and, and others that, that it's, you know, we, and we, for me, it's not anything that I do cognitively, but I just, it shocks me when they die. It, it shocks me when... When the obvious happens. When your reference points are disappearing yeah. in, in life. Yeah. Bob, Bob Blue is that realization to me. Mm -hmm. it, it, the pillars that I've guided my life by are leaving, mm -hmm. <laughs> not leaving this world. It, and I don't know if y'all read this. It was last week. I can't even remember his name now. But he was a 40-some-odd-year-old billionaire. Zappos, I think, was the name of the, the company that he had. He sold shoes. He sold shoes, and he was, he was the CEO. He had sold the company to Amazon for a million, a billion something, you know. He died. He died last week. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but nine times out of ten, they don't tell you anymore why they died. And, and, then, it, and then it comes out later, you know, that there were drugs involved or, or whatever the case may be. Now they're still they're still investigating this, but but stories have come out how once this guy retired at 44 years of age, he started just going deeper and deeper and deeper into drug use and all that. Now I, I can't speak for anybody in here, but as far as I know, we don't have any billionaires here tonight. Probably not any millionaires, and most of us, if we're not careful we would probably at a time or two think, I don't have any issues or problems that a million or two wouldn't solve, okay? <laughs> For years when someone would ask me at church camp, well, how's camp doing? I'd tell them, there's nothing going out there wrong that a million dollars wouldn't solve. And they would laugh. The reality is, is that a million dollars don't solve nothing. It creates problems. It creates <laughs> huge problems. And then add a billion to that? Uh, and this guy, 44 years of age, lost his purpose and reason for living. Yeah. And I'm not judging him. I'm just, I'm just trying to make mm. a, you know, 
that that's my thing about not being rich is you know I, I love the chase I love dreaming I sent you the link to that song okay and that's you know some of these people when you can have whatever you want what is there to wake up for the next morning you right. know I wake up because oh, I still want a '69 fastback Mustang right. and stupid silly things or go on that amazing trip and when you have it all at your fingertips it takes away your dreaming it takes away your imagination and that's got to be terribly depressing. So Tom I've got, I've got the key for that fastback. You know, I've heard people <laughs> preach on TV, if you'll give me one first, God will give <laughs> you one first. Health and wealth, prosperity. <laughs> Tag it, bag it. Yeah. Anyway. Pyramid scheme. You guys got anything now else? Now, that's a Joel Olstein number one tip, right? No? <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to drive in Fenton and the flats there right up by the river. There's always that lotto sign at the top. And I used to think, boy, if I had that money, boy, if I had that money, boy, my problems... And I got to realizing man, that, do you know how many problems $250 million would buy? Um, my goodness, and I, and I have come to the peace of knowing that all my bills are taken care of in Christ. I, I, Amen. I, whatever I need, it's going to be provided, or I don't need it. Uh, right. And I, I'm 57. That's always been the case. I Is that just what us poor people tell each other, tell ourselves? That's right. <laughs> that's that's right. right. Hey, you know all those family members you've never met? Yeah. You would meet them. I like when they say money can't buy happiness, but it can put the down payment on it. <laughs> it can put the down payment on it. That's right. And a whole new batch of relatives. Build a snowman with the wind at his back. Got the So, uh, Brother Larry says, I can't name one millionaire that's ever been a good person, but many lotto winners have talked about all they will help with the money, but they never did help. <laughs> yeah, and, and somebody that, like 60% of them are broke in five years. Uh, and that's the thing. Yeah, uh, I, I'd say it's probably higher than that. Oh. It's just unbelievable. The first one that comes to mind, he was just in the news, Mike Tyson. $55 million and ended up bankrupting. Yeah. You know, it's like, geez. And all the NFL stars. Yeah. Yeah, all the NFL stars that make millions and millions, and within years, they're, they're penniless. Yeah. Uh, money does not bring yeah, happiness. It Jesus no. and Jesus alone. It doesn't give you purpose. It doesn't That's give you right. meaning in life. It's, so yeah. to, to close this out, uh, I issued a challenge Sunday, uh, and for those that listen, I would like for them to be aware of that. We're, we'll put it in the know uh, for this Sunday, and I'll go over it again. But basically, we're reminding folks that on the 20th, which is only two Sundays away now, uh, we will take up our Christmas gift to Jesus, where we will give a financial gift to Christ. Uh, we'll put it in the offering plate. It's basically like a ceremony here uh, during the invitation time. 
And then uh, that money, all of that money, is sent to our missions program uh, that, that shares the gospel throughout the world. But I've now added an additional loving challenge uh, for our My, Le My Medical Life. Uh, it, it's down uh, Highway 30 on High Ridge, right across the street from Walmart. And basically, they are a pregnancy resource center. And $80, it's $76 to $86 that it bounces back and forth. So $80 will pay for an ultrasound for someone with a crisis pregnancy to see the life of their child before they make a decision whether to choose for life or not. And so uh, asking folks to prayerfully consider, for God, ask God to provide at least one uh, per, per family type thing. Put that check or money in a uh, card. We'll provide the cards if you, if you would like for us to. We will have them available, and we'll mail all of those as encouragement to the My Life Medical Center. We good? Please, please, please continue to pray for our country. Amen. Please, please, please. Amen. Uh, there, there's something that changes in that front every day. Three times a day sometimes. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, all right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Tremendous crowd for COVID season. Oh.